Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Good morning. Shall we pray as we turn to God's word? Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for uh, these words we've just read together. And Lord, thank you that uh, you want to use them this morning to speak to us. And so God, I want to pray that you would fill us with your spirit and give us ears to hear and eyes to see what it is you want to do amongst us this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh man, I'm just going to wander over here uh, to pick something up because uh, apparently, uh, I was reading this week, uh, there is a, a supposedly a method that you can use uh, for trapping monkeys. If you were, happen to be looking for a good method for trapping monkeys this morning, I've got you sorted, don't worry. Uh, and I've asked Sam, I don't have a monkey, but I've asked Sam to come and help me this morning uh, to demonstrate how this works. Thank you, Sam. So apparently, if you want to trap a monkey or a student pastor, all you need uh, is a jar like this uh, with a small opening at the top of it. Uh, And the thing is, a jar like this, a monkey or a Sam can get their hand in and out of it. No problem. But if you want to trap a monkey, what you do is you get a piece of fruit. I don't have fruit, but I've got a a tennis ball. If you put a, a piece of fruit inside that jar, when the monkey goes to grab it, uh, they can't get their fist out afterwards. So they take hold of the fruit or the tennis ball inside, uh, they get stuck in the jar. So if you chain the jar to a post or you bury it in the ground, uh, you have yourself a trapped monkey or student pastor. Thank you, Sam. Let's, let's, you can sit down. You know, the, the passage that we're looking at this morning, I, I think is particularly relevant for us uh, today, here and now, because here's what it's saying to us. It is possible for the things that we want, for the things that we might grab tightly hold of, to be the very things that trap us and stop us from being free. It's possible for the things that we would reach hold of and want for ourselves are the things that make us their prisoners. And that's what happens in this passage to this rich young ruler. Because he is held captive, we discover, by money. So the the question, I think, for us today, as we let God's word challenge us, is this. What is the tennis ball? What is the fruit? What is the thing in your life, or in your heart, or in your mind, that is holding you captive? And perhaps more importantly for us, what would it look like for us to be free? How can we get ourselves out and away from the things that would trap us? We heard in our passage, didn't we, about this rich young man who who comes to Jesus because he wants something. He comes knowing exactly what's on his radar. He wants to know how he can receive eternal life. We could put it differently. He wants to know how he can receive life to the full. 
what it would look like to enter and experience and receive the reality of the kingdom of God. But he thinks there's something, some action, some step that he needs to take in order to get himself sorted. You know, initially, Jesus deals with him on the terms that he sets. You know, he effectively says, if you want to find something to do that will sort you out, then follow the commandments. And then Jesus goes and gives him a list of the commandments, but, but that list is fascinating. Because did you, did you notice that the commands that Jesus mostly gives are from the Ten Commandments? And one of the most famous things about the Ten Commandments is that there's ten of them. But Jesus only lists five as he's sharing with this man. He adds a sixth. It's a, it's a summary of the, the laws that he gives from Leviticus. But, but the first five that he lists are five commandments from the Ten Commandments. And, and these ones on the screen, we've also got them on the back wall if you want to come and look later. The ones that Jesus lists are, are basically to do with outward goodness. You know, they're performative acts of morality. They're things that you could do, or, or perhaps more importantly not do, uh, and be very obviously and visibly to the people around you a good person and it seems like from the young man's own assessment and the fact that no one kind of gets up and tells him that he's wrong in the crowd it seems like that the, the the young man the rich ruler has got these things down people would look on at him in the community and say that is a good moral upstanding citizen but if we take a step back we can have a think about all of the commands that Jesus doesn't list. Because they're, they're fascinating. Jesus skips the first four. It's going to come up on the screen now. And the first four are all to do with how we, we uh, direct our lives and our hearts towards God. They're all to do with our attitude towards God. Have no other gods apart from him. Don't make idols. Don't take his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. These commands are all about putting God first. It's about honoring him above anything or anyone else. It's about honoring him with our hearts and with our resources and with our words and with our time. The first commands that Jesus skips are all about putting Jesus first. And, and then he also skips number 10. You shall not covet. You, you won't want anything jealously that your neighbor has. So Jesus really intentionally leaves out some of the commandments. And then he, he pairs those commandments that he skipped with what he tells the man he needs to do later down in the passage. And as we consider the, the, the commandments that he skips and, and the kind of prescription that he gives to the man for what he needs to do to receive the kingdom of God, we get a pretty compelling picture, I think, of what Jesus thinks this man has a problem with. Seems like Jesus' assessment is that this man has made an idol out of money. This man has made an idol out of money. Now, we don't often talk, do we, uh, about idols in our everyday culture. So, so cast out of your mind pictures of golden statues of cows. That's not just what an idol is. An idol is anything that takes God's place in your heart. It's anything that you look to first for satisfaction and joy and peace. It's something that you trust in to make you secure and purposeful and significant. 
It's something that you love and that you give the most important and the first place in your heart. You see, the problem with an idol, if an idol is a thing that takes God's place, is that if we were to think of a metaphor for the place that God should have in our lives, I want to suggest that a good metaphor would be that of a foundation. I don't know very much about construction. You'll be glad to know I have nothing to do with the redevelopment project. But from what I understand of foundations, they have to be strong and stable if you want your building to remain standing. And it's the same as well with our lives. If we want our lives to remain standing through the storms and just the long years of life, then we need to build them on firm foundations. But you see, the problem is, unlike God, in a God who is eternally and perfectly stable and secure and reliable, anything else that we might try to build our lives upon does not have it within itself to hold up the weight of our lives like God can. It doesn't matter how good or how noble or how valuable or how lovely the thing we might try to place as a foundation in our life is. Nothing else in all of creation is to designed to, to bear up the weight of a human soul. You know, your soul is a weighty thing. Not just anything can hold it up. And so, inevitably, when we place in the foundation of our lives some other idol, some other thing that isn't God, inevitably, it will give way. It will crumble and fall. And we see that all around us, don't we? Maybe we wouldn't have called it that or described it in that way, but, but we see, don't we, in friends and family and colleagues and, and in the news, examples of people who build their lives upon something. But it turns out, maybe weeks or, or years or decades down the line, it turns out that that thing wasn't as permanent or as stable as they thought it would be. And it gives way. And their life gives way with it. Idols are things that we place as foundations that aren't designed to hold up the weight of a human soul like God is. And I hope you'll forgive me for perhaps being a bit bold, but you know, I dare say that for many of us here this morning, in the time and place that we find ourselves, we might have an idol similar to that of the rich young ruler. Money might be an idol for us. Maybe it's something that we use for security, that we rely upon for joy, or that we use to build our, our sense of self-worth upon. And you know what? It seems like Jesus knew that money would be a problem for us. That's why he goes on in the passage to say that it's hard to be rich and to enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, I don't know about you, but that kind of shows the idols in my heart. That kind of blew my mind. I was reading a commentary, and it, and it talks about how, how money can be a, a handicap to, to life in the kingdom. And we're, just not, we're not used to thinking of money as a negative thing, aren't we? 
But Jesus said that it is hard for those who are rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Money like any idol, though perhaps it's one that's particularly pervasive, money is dangerous. So with all of that in mind, what is Jesus' prescription for us? And what was it for the rich young man? Let's look at verse 21. He says this, nice and easy. Something for us all to go and do this week. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. You know, the word that we've got translated here as perfect, we could also translate as uh, complete. And completeness is a theme that comes up uh, throughout Matthew's gospel. It's something that Jesus really wants to kind of lead his people in. And, and, and here's the point he's trying to make. The call to discipleship, the call to following Jesus, the call to entering the kingdom of heaven is the call to be all in. There's no option for being half in and half out. There's no opportunity for partial commitment. Jesus is saying if you're going to follow him, you have to be fully signed up to him. And kind of logically, necessarily, if you're going to be fully signed up to Jesus, that means you need to be fully signed off everything else. Think of it like uh, this. Uh, some of you in this room, in fact, let's have a show of hands. Some of you might think you're really good multitaskers. Is anyone in here really good at multitasking? Any hands? Don't, I mean, this is unkind because I'm about to tell you that you're wrong. But there are a few kind of, ten, you can sense that I'm about to be mean to you. So well done for <laughs> kind of only half putting your hand up. Um, I, I know lots more of you think that you're very good multitaskers and put your, hand, put your hands up. And I thought I was. Uh, we're wrong. We're not very good at multitasking. In fact, scientifically speaking, uh, it's impossible. What we think of as multitasking is just our brain switching very quickly from one task to the other. It turns out we can only give our full attention to a thing. And so when we think we're doing two things at once, we're just very quickly switching from one to the other. And our brains are rubbish at it. We think we're good, but, but our brains just can't do that very well. So research has shown that when we try and do that, uh, we tend to be about 40% less effective at everything we're doing when we're trying to multitask. We do it less well, and we do it more slowly. And you know, it's the same with, with what we choose to follow, what we choose to, to build our lives upon. You know, we just can't have two foundations. It doesn't work. You know, we might kid ourselves and pretend like we can do it, that we can have a foot in both camps, but, but really it doesn't work. Our weight ends up on one of them. Only one thing can take first place in our hearts and lives. So for the rich young man, that was money. Money was his idol. And so Jesus' solution, if he wants to be all in for the kingdom of God is that he has to be all out to money. And so Jesus invites him to, to let go of the tennis ball, to release the thing that has got him trapped and, and give it away in generosity to find freedom and to receive real treasure as he follows Jesus. But you know, this, this story is a tragedy. 
But did, did you see, it doesn't seem to have a happy ending. The rich young man goes away sad because he can't do it. He can't let go of the tennis ball. It's too hard. And so he goes away sad with his money, but without Jesus. He keeps his money, but he loses the kingdom of heaven. And so what does that mean for us? What is Jesus' prescription for you and me? Well, firstly, let me, let me say that money may not be your idol. And even if it is, selling everything may not be the right next step for you. There are plenty of followers of Jesus uh, in the pages of the Bible who have possessions and use them for the glory of God in generosity to build his kingdom. But, but before you breathe a sigh of uh, relief, uh, there's a quote I just want to share from a, a scholar who writes about this that I really love. Uh, he says this. He says that Jesus did not command all his followers to sell all their possessions, gives comfort only to the kind of people to whom he would issue that command. So I'm just going to leave that with you and say no more on the matter. Uh, But here's the thing. I cannot tell you what your idol is. I don't know what's going on in your heart. I don't know what things that you've got going on that would be completely fine and safe for me, but for you are are dangerous. But let me ask you a question. What would you be sad to give away if Jesus asked you to give it away? What have you built your confidence and your identity, your value on that isn't what God says about you. Maybe it is money for you. Maybe it's success. Maybe it's being comfortable. Maybe it's being liked. Maybe it's having the perfect family or the perfect friendship group. Maybe it's power. I don't know what it is for you, but but maybe you do. Maybe even as I'm speaking, just something has popped into your mind. You don't know why it's there. You wish it would go away, but just that thing has has come in and God is maybe graciously revealing to you what you've placed as a foundation in your heart. Can I be just vulnerable with you for a moment? As I was preparing uh, to speak this week, and uh, I happened in my Bible reading to be reading Acts 5. And in Acts 5, there's the story of when the disciples are, are beaten for being faithful to Jesus. And as they go away from kind of this encounter with the leaders who have beaten them, they go away rejoicing because God has counted them worthy to suffer for his name. And as I was reading that passage, I realized in myself that their response made no sense to me. I had no idea why they would be celebrating because God had allowed them to suffer and then it just hit me. God brought this passage into my mind and I realized maybe comfort is an idol for me. Sure, it's not the only one, but I think it must be in there. What's your idol what have you placed as a foundation in your heart 
It's a heavy question, but perhaps I can follow it with some of the kindness of God. Because whatever it is that God, by his spirit, has brought to your attention, whatever uncomfortable thing has popped into your mind, and as you think about what it would mean to give it away, you just say, that's not possible. I can't let go of that. It could never happen. Let me just say to you that God already knows. God isn't surprised by the thing that has become your idol, the fact that you can't let go of it. God knows what we're like. He knows that this is difficult. And he knows that we're, not, we're simply not capable of setting ourselves free. And so that's why Jesus, in verse 26, says this. He says, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You know, I think we're more like monkeys than we like to admit. You know, we find ourselves trapped, don't we, by things that we hold on to. And we think we just can't let go. But you know what? With God, all things are possible. By the power and grace and, and transforming work of God's Spirit in our hearts, whether slowly or quickly, as we decide to walk closely with Jesus as best as we can, God does and can transform us and set us free and set our feet on solid ground in his kingdom. That's what we were singing about earlier on when we were singing about seeing, having this vision for God marching through prisons and setting souls free. God can do it. God can do what is impossible for us. And so this morning, I just believe that God maybe wants to deal with some idols. And if he said something to you, if that thing has, has popped into your head and just won't go away, then, then let me tell you, that is God's kindness to you. He wants to let you know the areas of your life where you need to be careful because you're dealing with something dangerous but he also wants to let you know the areas of your life where he wants to show you grace and give you power and set you free from something that is impossible for you to escape but with God all things are possible your life can be built on something more steady and more trustworthy and more good than the things that you might have placed on your foundation because your life by God's grace can be built upon him so if that's you this morning God is calling you and prompting you and longing to show you his kindness in a place where you have become trapped then I would love to pray and ask for God to show you his grace and set you free and begin the work of dismantling the idols of your hearts and help you to be all in for him we can't do it i don't have some pithy we'll go away and here's the five steps to set yourself free but with god all things are possible so i would just love to pray so why don't we do that why don't you remain seated uh, and if you have sensed god nudging or, or, or punching you in the heart telling you this is the thing 
that I want you to let go of, then I'm just going to pray for God's grace that you would begin on that journey to find freedom. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we are lost without you. God, we come to you this morning and as your spirit has perhaps been speaking to us graciously about the places in our lives where we've put something else first. God, where we're trapped by an idol. God, we just bring those before you and, and say that without you, we, we can't let go. But God, we want to be free and we want to follow you first and we want to experience the kingdom life on earth as it is in heaven. And so just God, God in each of our hearts and minds now, we, we place before you that thing that we're powerless against but we recognize as an idol and ask that you would come by your spirit and set us free. And so we pray, come, Holy Spirit, and work in our midst. And let's just pause and allow God to do some surgery, do some rebuilding. This morning as we were praying for you all before the service, I just had the strongest sense that uh, for some of us this would this would just provoke deep anxiety. You know, that God would reveal that this thing to us and we would just know oh, there's nothing I can do. But I think God wants to just say to us this morning that he doesn't highlight these things to condemn us. But he highlights these things because he wants us to be free. And so if that's how you're feeling, if you're just feeling the weight of this, then I believe God wants to say to you, you know, the Bible says that God disciplines those that he loves. You know, I think God wants to say to you this morning, I'm showing you this. It might be painful, but I'm showing you this because I love you. And I've made you for something better than these idols could ever offer you. And so God, would you help us to trust in your kindness to us? And God, all of this is beyond us, so we pray boldly and ask that beyond what we might even ask or imagine, even now, you would set us free from the things that have trapped us and enable us to live more fully for you. And as we live more fully for you, we find that we are living more fully human, beautiful, wonderful lives. So Spirit of God, come now and set your people free.